We continue our series entitled, Jesus Puts the Stud in Bible Study. Our young adults minister, Sloane Stevenson, pulls from various scripture passages about why we should memorize God's Word and what we should believe about God's Word. Now let's hear from Sloane Stevenson. Well, good morning, men. So this morning, um, I know we've started our new series entitled, Jesus Puts the Stud in Bible Study, um, which... I went back and forth making fun of for a long time with some of our staff. Um, But this morning, what I want us to do is we're going to be looking at God's Word and understanding why we need God's Word. There's a group of some of our young adults I will occasionally go to trivia nights with, and they go like every single week. And the amount of useless information I've realized that I possess in my mind is very disturbing. Um, of pop culture, history. I don't know anything about science, and my dad is always disappointed because he's a science teacher. Um, But the amount of useless information we have memorized in the back of our minds, such as the Queen of England not actually being English, which is definitely going to be my favorite one, Mike. Um, But what I want us to look at this morning is for all this useless information we do memorize and file away in the back of our minds, How many of us take the time to memorize Scripture to keep in the back of our minds? How many of us would be able to say, hey, here's a series of verses from Scripture that I have memorized to remind myself and I keep in the back of my head for when situations arise and situations need it. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. So we're going to look at why we memorize Scripture, and specifically because it is Jesus put the stud in Bible study. We're going to be looking at the life of Jesus of different examples in which he memorized and quoted Scripture in situations in his life and what I believe will be able to apply for us as men here at Cottonwood Creek Church. So the first question as we get started, though, is why should we memorize Scripture, which leads to the question of well, what should we believe about God's Word? If we're going to memorize it, we have to actually know what we believe about it. And so here's what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 16. He says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. For us as men to have Scripture memorized is because of the belief that everything in the Bible from, as the classic joke would be, from Genesis to maps, is the Word of God. That God has given us His Word for our benefit so that we can be equipped as men for the situations that we find ourselves in life. And we'll often say that, but there's a difference in just what we say and what we practice. And the reason I know that is because even in my own life, while I would believe this to be true, that I would say, of course, all Scripture is breathed out by God, I would likewise struggle to be able to quote to you endless Scripture while we're here for the next 30 to 40 minutes. Some of y'all are like, please let it be 30 minutes. But I would struggle as well to be able to just sit here and quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture to you. But if I believe this to be true in my own life, I should make this a priority and practice to memorize what God has said because it's designed to equip me for who God has called me to be and who God has called you to be. 
And we go on, uh, the writer of Hebrews puts it this way, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That for us as men, as Christian men, we believe that the word of God isn't some old book that just has some stories that helps us live a good life. But instead, it's the living and active word of the creator God who has a relationship with you and me. And that we go to his word on a regular basis, on a daily basis, because we want to know more of him. We want to spend time with him, allowing him to, it's not just, uh, I heard a pastor say this one time, you don't just want to uh, read the Bible. Sometimes you want the Bible to read you. Sometimes what you need is for God's word to look at your heart and go, hey, here's some things we need to be working on. But it only happens when we go to God's word and let it do what God's word says it will do. The very first psalm says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And catch this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. For us as men of God, we delight in the law of the Lord, which for the psalmist, that is the Old Testament. And for us, that is all of scripture. We delight in God's word. Why? Because we know that's where life is found. We know that's what leads us to flourish and prosper. And in a culture that has prosper mean a lot of different things, it's prospering as the abundant life that Jesus offers. The fullness of life found in him, not by some worldly standard, but being who God has called and created us to be. And this happens when we place ourselves under the authority of Scripture to hear what God has for us. So that's why we should believe in Scripture. But then I want to get into two reasons. So we just have two points today and all God's men said? Amen. That's right. So two reasons today why we should memorize Scripture, looking from the life of Jesus. And the first one is this, is that God's Word helps us fight temptation. That God's Word helps us fight temptation. If you look in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist and he goes out into the wilderness. And we pick it up in verse one. It says this, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I love how scripture makes that very obvious that uh, after 40 days and 40 nights, you should be hungry. Um, And the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When Satan comes to Jesus to tempt him, Jesus' response is quoting the book of Deuteronomy. It's quoting the Old Testament scriptures to say, no, there is something better than simply physical needs, but it's the word of God that sustains each and every one of us. 
that when temptation comes from the enemy, it's the scripture that we have stored away that equips us to fight against temptation. We keep going, though. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike a foot against your stone. So if we notice verse 6, and I think this is important for us to catch, Satan himself quotes Scripture. Specifically, the verse he's quoting is Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. And I think we often forget that the enemy loves to twist the Word of God. All the way back from Genesis 3, the very beginning temptation from Adam and Eve is Satan going, did God really say blank? And that tactic has not changed through all of human history. Any issue that comes up in culture or within personal life or own the temptations that you face, it can be boiled down to the enemy asking you, did God really say blank? One of the modern examples we see this happening in our world today is, uh, and I'll see this especially with some different young adults, is the idea, well, God is love. And if God is love, then you know everything's free game. I can do whatever I want because God is love, and if God loves me, he should affirm however I feel or whatever I do. And if you're really a Christian, then you should just love me regardless. There should be no barriers or protections on how you should just love me because God is love. And where this comes from is 1 John 4.16. All right, here's how the Apostle John writes it. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And that sounds great, right? I love that verse. God is love. That's powerful. In a belief in time where God is just some angry old man sitting on a cloud ready to strike me down with a thunderbolt, that's very encouraging to know that God is love and his love abides in me. But where the enemy will twist that is to take that and go, well, if God is love, then everything's free game. And I sat with young adults who were navigating these spaces to go, well, here's what I heard, but it doesn't seem to match up. And so here's a helpful tip anytime just you're getting in your morning Bible reading or you come across a question that you're not sure about, let God's Word interpret God's Word. Let the context of Scripture interpret itself. Because God's never going to contradict Himself. God's never going to say one thing and then say something totally different in some other part of the Bible. So while we see this in 1 John, this idea of God is love, absolutely. Here's what else God says in Proverbs 3, though. He says, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. Because catch this, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a father disciplines the son in whom he delights. 
God is love, but God is also a good father who's not going to let his children just run rampant and wild. And here's how we see Jesus to turn back to Jesus' story of engaging with Satan as he's quoting scripture and twisting God's word. Here's what Jesus says to him, picking up in verse 7 back in Matthew 4. Jesus says, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to the test. And again, he quotes the book of Deuteronomy. And for all the flack that um, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy get, Jesus quotes Deuteronomy in his earthly ministry more than any other part of the Old Testament, which Bo Landers would get very excited about because I'm not sure if you've heard, but he's writing a huge paper about it. Um, But the book of Deuteronomy is filled with this reminder of here is the law of the Lord. And I think there's something important for us to see the amount of times that Jesus quotes that book when, whether it's fighting temptation with Satan or engaging with the Pharisees or teaching his disciples, he goes back to the Old Testament and again has it memorized and quoted. So verse 8, again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and, and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. For us to fight temptation, whether that's the internal battles that we struggle, whether that's the things that the world would put before us, men, the truth is that we need God's word memorized in our hearts. It's not enough to have the idea, and I'll be honest, this is where I fall sometimes, is to go, I kind of know that verse. And then I'll pull out my phone and I'll Google like the part of it that I know to go, okay, I don't I think it's in, it's definitely the Old Testament. Okay, let's Google that. Let's see. Oh, no, 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 Philippians. Whoops, never mind. But to have Scripture memorized on our hearts is that when the enemy comes and attacks, we're prepared to fight. And we see that all throughout Scripture of this idea of, as men, we are called to make war with our sin. There's an old theologian named John Owens who puts it this way, be killing sin or it will be killing you. And that's how serious God takes sin when we see throughout Scripture to put it to death, to make war with what we fight and face. And to do that, we memorize God's Word to combat it. That's why Paul in Ephesians says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our only offensive weapon as men. But the psalmist would say this in Psalm 119. says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's another translation that I grew up learning that I have hidden your word in my heart. I have treasured it away. Why? So I won't sin against you, God. I'm going to make your word a priority in my life because by doing so, it's going to help me fight sin to pursue holiness, to pursue being more gracious and more kind. 
So the first one we see, God's word helps us fight temptation. Here is the second one. God's word helps us stand firm. That God's word helps us stand firm. In Matthew chapter 9, we get Jesus has just called uh, the disciple Matthew. And so Jesus is now over at his house with a bunch of people. They're having dinner, primarily tax collectors and sinners, which is some of the people Jesus spent most of his time around, which usually upset the Pharisees and scribes. But verse 10 says this, And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came to call not the righteous, but sinners. Jesus quotes the prophet Hosea in this moment. As the Pharisees have come and called him into question of who he spends his time with, Jesus, standing firm on his mission to establish the kingdom of God, goes back and quotes the prophet Hosea to go, no, what I'm about is not outward things, but the matter of the heart. I've come for the broken, the bruised, the beat down, and the burnout. Not the people who just pretend to be pretty, who won't be honest about where they're actually at underneath the surface. He said, I've come for the busted which is encouraging for me because often I'll find myself going, man, I messed that up a ton. And I get to go back to this passage and remind myself, hey, that's why Jesus came. He didn't come for the pretty perfected Sloan. He came for the broken one who couldn't do it himself. But Jesus stands firm here through God's word of what his purpose on earth is. And for you and I, by memorizing Scripture, it reminds us what our purpose here is on earth. Paul writes this in Romans chapter 12. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Men, for us, that renewal of our mind is when we get into God's Word. When we make the investment to know what it says, know the context of what it says, and then store it away in our hearts and minds. Both for our own benefit and for the benefit of others. Because again, in this story in Matthew 9, Jesus is surrounded by these tax collectors and sinners who the Pharisees are calling into question. Jesus is able to communicate worth and value to these tax collectors and sinners by saying, no, I have come for you. You are valuable to me. And so for the people we engage with, the way that we memorize Scripture, 
reminds us of how we love God and love others. For the situations we find ourselves in, we can be equipped, going back to what Paul says in 2 Timothy, for every good work, for every situation, for every circumstance, we can be prepared for what God has called us to do. At the very beginning of the book of Joshua, here's what the Lord says to Joshua, and here's how I want us to just end our time this morning. Is this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, for that you may be careful to do accordingly to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. We meditate on God's word day and night to have our way be prosperous and to find good success. But this success, again, is not, it's not this worldly idea of success. It's a success in our spiritual and personal lives. It's a success in how we treat our wives and children, how we love our families well, how we engage with our coworkers and that annoying neighbor who wants to mow his yard at 6 a.m. in the morning and every single driver on 635, every single one of them. But we meditate on his word day and night because there are people who are broken in need of hope and God has put us as men in their path. And for us to memorize scripture, to engage them with love and grace as he's called us to be. But to also stand firm on the men he has called us to be, to not compromise on truth. That when one side of culture would go left, that we would stay firm and true, planted by the stream of God's word. And so before we dismiss, I just want to spend, I just want to give us just a few moments to pray. Because again, if we believe what God's word says, one of the things that God's word talks about is the need for us to bring our requests before God for him to answer them. And I don't know about you, but one of the things I find myself needing to pray for often is for God to stir up a desire in my heart to want to memorize his word. Because it can be very easy to get up and go, I'll just read it for a minute, and then I'll get going. And within an hour, I would not be able to tell you what I read that morning. But if God's word is true, by going before him in prayer, it's asking him to go, hey, stir my heart to want to know your word more. Stir my heart to want to get up in the morning and go, hey, I want to spend time with you today. Because God's word is alive and active and beneficial for you and for me to be the men that we've been called to be. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information about Cottonwood Creek Church, visit cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you come back to listen to future episodes of Men's Bible Study.